From the power of voices in Los Angeles, this is Full Body Frequency. I'm Laura Rice, cultural curator, fashion designer, and your guide through the Full Body Frequency experience. Full Body Frequency celebrates everything full-bodied and fabulous while exploring the truths and exploding the myths about the lives and loves of plus-size and curvy women. Since our lives shouldn't depend on how others see us, neither does this show. Everyone likes to travel, right? Well, have you ever considered exploring the world as a backpacker? Honestly, I hadn't. That's not until I began reading Edith Bernier's book, The Ultimate Guide to Plus Size Backpacking. Travel light, whatever your size. Edith recently returned from Peru, where she backpacked for nearly three weeks. Today, she'll be here to share her adventures. Later in the show, Full Body Frequency continues its series on relationships and everything bridal. This week, Lenita Pearson of One Curvy Bride returns to dish about her recent ultra-chic Kate Spade bridal shower. Switching gears, plus-size New York City-based designer Yona Love of Yona, New York, joins me to talk about her clothing line. It's for professional women who want to be taken seriously, yet feel liberated in their clothes. Work and freedom? I can't wait to find out more. Stay tuned. Full Body Frequency. We'll be right back. Foi tão boa 
Welcome back to Full Body Frequency. This is Laura Rice. My first guest is Edith Bernier. She's a Montreal-based world-traveling backpacker and the author of The Ultimate Guide to Plus-Size Backpacking, Travel Light, Whatever Your Size. She's backpacked her way through Cuba, North America, South America, Europe, and India, covering 15 countries. As a travel influencer, she was a featured speaker at the first Montreal Plus Fashion Week this past spring, where she presented Pack Small, Think Big, a speech in which she shared how backpacking has influenced her daily routine and empowered her both personally and professionally. Edith Bernier, welcome to Full Body Frequency. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. What inspired your love of travel and your love of traveling as a plus-size backpacker? Well, I think Michael Palin said traveling is a bug that you get and you're not looking for an antidote when it gets you. I have started traveling as a person and at some point when I started gearing towards backpacking, I would say around 2010, 2011, I realized that traveling was already a challenge as a plus-size woman, but then I realized that backpacking was even more of a challenge because of the lack of adaptations to most infrastructures in the countries I was visiting, but also for the gear, for the clothes, and so on. How many countries have you traveled to and through as a backpacker? Because we're going to get back to those challenges in a minute, because those are really important to kind of explode. I have just came back from country number 15. Three weeks ago, I was in Peru. And yeah, I have visited 15 countries in, in North America, Central and South America, across Europe and Asia. I've been to quite a few countries so far. I haven't visited Africa yet, but it's just a matter of time. What took you to Peru and why did it take you about, as you said uh, in your blog, about 30 years of waiting? What happened and why Peru? Peru was a little girl's dream, actually. When I was about five, six years old, there was this cartoon playing on TV that was located in Peru. And that was about the adventures of kids and a Spanish navigator in quest for a city, a legendary city made of gold. And so I found the setting so intriguing and all the landscapes and all the histories because those were based Actually, this cartoon was based on actual locations, real Inca ruins, for example, real locations and cities and myth. And then at the end, there was always a two, three minute documentary that actually explored the places that the characters visited during the episode. That's how it started. And now, 30 years later, I can say mission accomplished. I have visited Peru after 30 years in the waiting. Navigate Peru for us. What did you see? What did you experience? I started in Lima, the capital. It's probably the easiest city to start in because it's where most long-distance flights land. I have crossed towards from the west coast, the Pacific coast, where Lima is, towards inland, towards the east. I would say I went from sea level to 4,000 meters in the sky. Mm. above sea level, where the oxygen starts to feel a bit more rare. And I have visited Lima, Ica, city of Nazca, and Arequipa. I've also visited Puno, which was the highest city I have visited in my whole career as a traveler so far. This is also on close to the Bolivian border and on the side of the Titicaca Lake, which is the highest navigable, navigable lake in the world. You can find there floating islands where the Uros uh, Andinos live. I was actually able to go and spend a night on one of those islands, uh, gently rocked by the waves, mm. an island made of some kind of a straw close to bamboo. I finished in Cusco, and then obviously Machu Picchu was the place was the place to go after my childhood dreams took me there. Now I was there for real. Wow, amazing. I bet you have some awesome photos. I do, yeah. <laughs> I'm becoming very good at selfies now that I've been traveling alone for most of the past five, six years. You have to learn to have a pretty strong selfie game. <laughs> well, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Full Body Frequency. My guest is Edith Bernier, world traveler and author of The Ultimate Guide to Plus Size Backpacking, Travel Light, Whatever Your Size. One of the challenges you mentioned in your book is appropriate clothing for plus-size backpackers. Elaborate mm -hmm. on that. Well, most companies that sell travel clothes or travel 
thought or travel design clothes if you want generally do it in what we call the standard or regular sizes so you have to find a way to find practical clothes that will pack small that will dry quickly because most backpackers do laundry on the road so you need something that will not take three days to dry otherwise you'll run out of clothes before you actually have some clean and dry clothes to wear so that was one of the challenges that i had to deal with you have to be a bit creative uh, use a little imagination but then you can see sometimes you see potentials in clothing that was definitely not meant for backpacking and then yeah you see oh this is very compact this is light the color is neutral so that that's easy to match with pretty much all the rest of the clothes I want to bring. That's how you manage to find alternatives to the so-called travel design clothes. Are you finding that you're wearing more active wear or workout gear as you backpack? Correct. This is probably the type of clothing that is the best adapted to what I'm doing. I like hiking, going around all day. So I need good shoes. I need comfortable clothing that dries quickly. If I get caught in the rain or if you know, I break a little sweat hiking, I want clothes that breathe because if I wet a little bit, you want to have clothes that packs really small because if you need to carry a sweater and then it's hot during the day, you want to take it off, but you don't want to have this big bulky sweater with you all the time. So I would say, yes, active wear, sports stuff, it's probably the closest thing to travel wear that we can find and that will do the trick while away. That's one level of preparation to backpacking. Mm-hmm. But what are your top tips for preparing one's plus size mind? And I think this is really important and body to backpack. Well, for the mind, I think there's one tip that covers pretty much everything. Be zen. I mean, there will be unexpected annoyances from people commenting on you, on your body size, to tiny airplane seats, to flimsy chairs in the restaurants, or hard-to-access locations and attractions. So these will happen. But if you're zen... You know, those experiences will most likely turn into the best anecdotes you can think of. And then you'll <laughs> laugh it off at some point. It's just not focusing too much on the bad that happened to avoid ruining your whole trip, basically. On another more general level, I would say planning, planning, planning. That's the key. Because waiting at the last minute can cause real cruel deception, especially if you anticipate a lot about an activity or an attraction and then you end up disappointed or restricted because you can't do it or because it's not adapted for your size or for one or another reason. Also, if you are considered unfit for an activity or an attraction, chances are you might not be able to get your money back. Mm. especially if you paid in advance. And sometimes when we go on vacation, we splurge a little bit and we say, listen, I'm not going to do it twice. So I'm going to invest and I'm going to treat myself and I'm going to do it. And then you realize, oh, you can't do it. You lose your money and then you're disappointed on top of it. So I think planning, not being afraid of asking for information. Worst case, they'll say, yes, of course, we have your body size in mind when we think of this kind of activity or Our sites are adapted if people have diminished mobility, for example, things like that. But it's always safe to plan and ask ahead. Is there an age limit to backpacking? No. (laughs) I've met backpackers from the age of 15 to the 70s. So, I mean, from every nationality you can think of, all walks of life. Age ain't nothing but a number. And I think it's in the heart and it's in the head that you're a backpacker. And as long as you can dream, I mean, there's you can do grown-up backpacking if you want. Maybe less intense and sleep in accommodations that are maybe a a little bit fancier. Because I usually stick to hostels and hotels and places like that. But I mean, there's a way to backpack whatever your age is. You just said something that reminds me of cost. You said hostels, Uh uh, splurging for hotels. So Uh how do you normally backpack? Do you go the economy route or do you splurge depending on the trip? Well, generally, I stick to hostels, dormitories, like four, five, six beds. Sometimes you can get pretty cheap private rooms, too. For example, for my last three weeks in Peru, for all nights except two, I was in hostels. And the average I paid in U.S. dollars for one night was about 10 to 12 U.S. dollars per night. If you compare to 60, 80 easily in regular hotels, 
that's a major saving of money. And in a few occasions, I had to put in a little bit more when I went to Machu Picchu when I was living in Aguascalientes, which is the village from where all the buses and all the trails go to Machu Picchu, then the room was a little bit more expensive, but that was to be expected. And also on the last night, often I like to treat myself to an actual real hotel. Okay. With big bathtub, jacuzzi, when there's one. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not going to pay like $300 for that. But $80 hotel room can do a big difference when you spent three weeks in $15 accommodation. Absolutely. A little solace. Mm-hmm. A nice, good bath, a jacuzzi, as you just mentioned. <laughs> and then you look less tired and less scruffy when you get on the airplane to go home. <laughs> there you go. In terms of you traveling as a woman by yourself, mm-hmm. how do you prepare for that in terms of safety? I think we all have this good sense somewhere in us. You know that little voice that says somewhere in your guts, do it or don't do it. It's just like when you're home, basically. When you're at home, you avoid dark streets at night. You Mm -hmm. don't tell strangers where you live. You don't flash your money. You dress with a certain modesty. I mean, it's the same thing pretty much everywhere. You find out about customs and how it works in this or this country. If, you know, they recommend that women wear sleeves, then you just do like everybody else. There are always things that you don't know and you'll learn soon enough, especially if you discuss with other female travelers. Travel guides are an incredible source of information. And nowadays, most travel guides will have a section for female travelers specifically providing great tips to make sure that you travel safely. Of course, there are places that if you go, you, you'd you better be either with a group or at least possibly with a man. It could be safer. I haven't been to one of those places yet. I mean, I have visited countries that my friends were like, what are you doing alone over there? Mm-hmm. I visited Salvador that my friends were scared. Guatemala, I am not telling you what my mother thought when I told her I was going alone in Guatemala. (laughs) And you know what? I went across southern Mexico and I've never felt threatened. I'm not saying I've never been extremely careful. I'm always aware of my surroundings. I know where I am with who I am, where's the way out. And By being aware of what's around you, generally, it gives you a pretty good feel of how safe you are. And if not, then just move along and go to a better spot. Right. Well, I have one recommendation. I hope you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's interested in traveling and interested Mm -hmm. specifically in backpacking, they have to go to psbackpacker.com. I definitely agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great resource and they have to get the book. The Ultimate Guide to Plus Size Backpacking, Travel Light, Whatever Your Size. Edith, before we go, what do you say to our listeners who say, why backpacking? Why not just take a train, a bus, or bike through whatever country, city, town, or hamlet you want to visit? What does backpacking offer that other modes of transportation don't? And specifically, what is your absolute favorite part of backpacking? I will start with my absolute favorite part of backpacking. It is to be alone, yet never being alone. (laughs) Mm. Do stuff on your own terms, and that's the beauty of it. You're never the victim of a group, of a pre-organized schedule, of a guide that just goes too quickly through an attraction where you want to spend all your day. You are your own master. You decide what you want to do on your own terms. That's probably why it's one of my absolute favorite way to travel. And I mean, by backpacking, yes, it means traveling your backpack around, but you do take the bus. You do take the airplane. You do take the car or train. It's just the idea is to be able to travel light, like the subtitle of my book says. By traveling light, you just decide of, oh, there's something nice to do in this place. Oh, it's 300 kilometers away. Well, just grab your bag and go. It's being able to move so quickly without no strings attached and meet new people. And then you leave people and you're a little brokenhearted, but then you meet new people. And I think what makes it so interesting, I think the backpacker crowd is probably the remnants of the hippie crowd. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, yeah. A lot of tolerance, and I think that's probably what's also interesting as a plus-size woman. All this tolerance, all this open-mindedness. People don't care where you're from, what size you are, and the shoes you wear, or the clothes you wear. If you're nice, if they think you're cool, then that's all that matters. Edith, what's next for you, and how can listeners follow you on your next adventure beyond the psbackpacker.com? I'm quite active on Facebook. There's also a Facebook page in which I post occasionally pictures and I also share about the latest post from psbackpacker.com. So I'm on Facebook at ps.backpacker. And what's coming next for me? I'm just coming back from Peru, like I said. I'm thinking another dream that maybe 20 years in the making is Nepal. So I've been thinking of going there for a while. It's a very mystic country and I really enjoyed the mountains landscapes and I think that in Nepal considering it's the country where Everest is should definitely be something interesting to see. I've always wanted to go to Hawaii also again childhood's dream when I was a little girl I wanted to become a hula girl That was one of my first career that I wanted to do. Chile, southern France, wherever you look at on the map I think there's something interesting to see. Edith Bernier the plus size backpacker thank you so much for being on Full Body Frequency today. Thank you Laura. Up next, Lanita Pearson of One Curvy Bride joins me to talk about two recent rituals leading up to her wedding, the all-important bachelorette party and the bridal shower. Did someone say Kate Spade? Stay tuned. Full Body Frequency returns after this. bridal as part of our monthly relationship series okay for those of you who are thinking so full body frequency is just gonna jump from the engagement to the wedding the answer is yes and no we'll start at the beginning dating and courtship soon but for now the countdown is on so lanita pearson welcome back to full body frequency thank you You have approximately one month before you and your fiancé, Jonathan, wed. Let's get started and talk about the differences between a bridal shower and a bachelorette party because you just had a bridal shower. shower. What are the differences between the two? For the bachelorette party, for me personally, that was more of an event for me to go out with my friends, have a little bit of fun. I'm not really a risque bride in that sense. It wasn't a lot of uh, drinking and clubbing and partying. I actually have a friend who lives in New York, and she is the MC at this variety show called The Box. I'll 
be kind and call it a variety show. And she actually planned my entire bachelorette party in New York City. So we went there, we caught a show, had a fabulous dinner. But that was more of a thing for me and my friends or for me to enjoy my friends' company, whereas my bridal shower was more of a thing of not only for me and my friends, but my family, the older relatives of my family, to really come together as women, celebrate my union, give me some premarital advice, and shower me with uh, gifts that I needed to be a happy housewife, (laughs) for lack of a better word. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. For those of you who didn't know the difference, now you know, do not invite your mother, your aunt, and your older relatives to your bachelorette party. (laughs) Not appropriate if you want to have a good time. Let's talk a little bit about the theme because you had, I saw your uh, bridal shower online, all over social media. So it was beautiful. Thank you. What was the inspiration for the Kate Spade themed bridal shower? Well, I actually came across it on the internet. I just thought the black and the white with the florals was absolutely beautiful. I believe in Rent the Runway. It is a wonderful resource for one-off occasions and events. And I happened to come across a Kate Spade bride-to-be clutch. Before I think I was even engaged, I came across that clutch. And as soon as I knew when my bridal shower was, I rented it. I thought what better way to celebrate my clutch than to have an entire Kate Spade-themed party. It's great. It's graphic. It's feminine. It's floral. It's all those things that I love. So just the whole look of that is uh, something that's really my aesthetic. And then I noticed you accented everything with gold, a little bit of gold candle on the tables, black candelabra. It was really, really pretty. And the fuchsia flowers just really done well. Everything popped. Thank you. I actually did the floral arrangements myself. Oh, good job. It's the one thing that my mother let me DIY for my entire wedding. I was advised by everyone to not do the flowers for my wedding. Okay. But you would do a really good job. I'm just going to say that right now. (laughs) Thank you. Can you convince my mother of that? (laughs) No, I'm going to stay out of that. (laughs) I'm going to stay out of that. But I will say one thing that I like, not only did I like the theme, but you actually, with the clutch, carried it back to New York City because it's Kate Spade, New York, the New York City, the New York State license plate on the clutch. It really captured that great theme, New York, Chicago, New York, Chicago, going back and forth. So that was really lovely as well. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about fall fashion, because the dress you wore was absolutely beautiful. It was a white kind of cape dress. I shouldn't call it yes. a kind of a cape dress. It was a white cape dress. So yes. it's fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And on top of that, you were totally snatched in your dress. Tell <laughs> us a little bit about the decision behind that dress specifically and then what you wore under the dress. That was an ivory Adriana Papel dress. My decision came about because that dress was everything. That dress gave me life. I love the drama of the dress. I love how classic a style that was. And also capes are really in right now for fall fashion. Speaking of fall fashion, Lane Bryant just launched their newest Christian Siriano collection. And if you go online and look at that, he did a lot of capes for that collection. Underneath the dress, I actually have on Spanx because Spanx are lifesavers. <laughs> so the Spanx had me snatched up. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's stay on lingerie for a minute and being snatched. So for your bridal shower, were you showered with things you said for the household to make your house a happy home? Did that include lingerie? I did get a few pieces of lingerie from some unlikely sources like aunties, but I guess that's who I should get it from because they're the ones who know the secret. (laughs) They're the ones who have been married for the years. So I did get classic pieces, nice chemises, satin robes, things of that nature, nothing too raunchy. My family did allow me to leave that decision to myself. But I got great things for the vacation, satin PJs that said bride and new missus. So that was really great. Did you register for your bridal shower or did you just anticipate that people with really good taste would be invited to your bridal shower and therefore would know what to get you? I did register for my bridal shower. It was very difficult. My fiance and I have lived together now for two or three years, and we do not need another gizmo or gadget, but Mm. I managed to come up with some more that we didn't have. I did do a registry. I think it's really good to do registries at two places. Um, I did mine at Target and Macy's. It was a thing of whatever you felt comfortable at price point-wise, you had the option, or 
there's always the option of gift cards because they're one size fits all and everyone loves them. Absolutely. That's great. That's really considerate of your guests to make sure that everyone can participate at different price points mm -hmm. and convenience factor. Not everybody lives near a Target. Not everybody lives near a Macy's. Lenita, what's next? Because you've got literally a month away from walking down that aisle. So what's next for you? I have several fittings with my wedding dress that did come in. I did have my first fitting, and so now we're taking in all the bits and pieces with that. I have makeup trial, hair trials to finalize my look for that. And then I also have all the little tidbitty pieces that sometimes you don't think about until you're sitting there with the DJ saying, oh, yes, I have to walk down the aisle to something. What is that going to be? Mm. <laughs> that is all of that that's happening now. All the big pieces are done. The centerpieces are picked out, the flowers are arranged, the caterer is paid for. So now it's just really pulling everything together. What are your wellness tips for keeping your energy up during this final kind of march to the plate? Well, one of the things that I often read in bridal magazines and on bridal blogs was really about making sure that your relationship when you're planning the wedding doesn't revolve around the wedding. And mm. so one of the things that I did do was I made sure to prepay for dates for my fiance and I. My best friend is very active in the theater community, so we make sure to go and see uh, plays that her and her child are in. I also got tickets to Hamilton. So I got those when those came out. That'll be October 12th. So that was my sort of, I'm getting these tickets. It's close to the wedding and this will be our, hey, let's have a great day before the wedding comes along and the stress really starts to pile in. I think one of my one assistants is to really take some time with your fiance and to force yourself into it pre-buy some tickets so that you have no option but to say, we are going on this date, we are going to spend this time together, and this is not going to be about our wedding. This is going to be about us. That is really smart. Really smart. Okay. So, Anita Pearson of One Curvy Bride, thank you so much for checking in with us on thank your you route to the me. wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's exciting. <laughs> It really is. And we can't wait to check in with you a little bit before you, you walk down the aisle. So thanks again for being here. And before we go, Lenita, just tell everybody how they can get in touch with you, how they can watch the process, and how they can buy t-shirts. Yes, you can get in touch with me on all my social media pages, of course, facebook.com backslash One Curvy Bride. You can follow me on Instagram and Snapchat at One Curvy Bride. If you want to shop One Curvy Bride, if you go to OneCurvyBride.com, click on the Shop tab, it will give you a link to take you to our shop where you can buy One Curvy Bride tees. All right. Countdown is on. We'll talk to you soon. After this break, I'll be joined by fashion designer Yona Love of Yona, New York. She'll be here to talk about what Yona, New York is offering plus-size women this fall and winter. Full Body Frequency, we'll be right back.
Frequency is back, and my next guest has vision. Vision for how she's wanted to dress her plus-size body for years. Yet, feeling the frustration when you learn what you want to wear doesn't exist. She says, call it shapely, full-figured, plus-size, whatever. Women of a certain size have a real problem finding fashionable clothes that fit. It seems that there are two options, loose items in dark colors or form-fitting, body-conscious clothing that isn't professional looking. How do you solve this dilemma? Create your own fashion line, of course. Yona Love, welcome to Full Body Frequency. Hi, thank you for having me on the show. Oh, I'm glad you could be with us. Refinery29 calls Yona New York one of the new size inclusive brands that you need to know. So Yona, in your words, describe your brand, Yona New York, and your journey from plus size clothing consumer to designer. I'm a woman who loves clothes and I couldn't find anything to wear. So as a woman who loves fashion, I used to buy clothes. I would have to get them made half of the time. I would either take two dresses, make it into one. That happened so many times because I've said this before. It's really happened. (laughs) And um, (laughs) the sizes are just so disappointing. They're tiny. Regular sizes are tiny. And they're just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I don't know what it is and why they think that the consumer is just going to buy more and more, it makes me feel like they're missing the point. Don't you want actual people to wear the clothes? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Now that taking two dresses and sewing them together, that's reminiscent of what Andre Walker, uh, Oprah's hairstylist, did for her when he served as her stylist. I've heard people doing that before. I would buy two dresses and I would, you know, extend the sleeve, wherever my problem area would be. And not like I used to take, I'm a size 16, 18, and it's not like I used to take two size fours and add it together. I would literally have to take two size 12, 14s and fit them together, and it just doesn't, it, it didn't make sense. It got very expensive. I work, and I don't have time in the morning to pick and choose my outfits. I just need to run out of the house, take care of the kids, pack everybody's lunch. I mean, this was when the kids were little. They're a little bigger now. Take care of the house. But I needed to feel comfortable. I needed to look professional. And I love clothes. So how do you solve this problem? Eventually, I started my own line. But this was a real struggle. I mean, it was a real struggle. And you talk about liberated clothing, and you reference that on your website. So what does that mean in the context of professional women, sizes 14 to 24? What, what's your vision around that? So it's interesting because my, my, I, I worked for my mother. My mother was a plus-size woman. She was actually, you know, a, a size probably, I would say, about 24, 26. And she, I, I sometimes would, would look at her and I'd say, isn't she embarrassed to go on a job or, or talk to people? Or, you know, I, as a child, I would say, you know, oh, she doesn't look so pretty today. Or, you know, maybe people are not going to accept her or people are not going to listen to her. But then my mother would speak and the whole world listened. I mean, my mother had multi-million dollar developers asking her questions, consulting. She was so amazing and she overcame her weight issue and became who she really is. Later on in her life, she did have complications and she lost a lot of weight, but it was her weight was always, always a struggle, always a struggle. And it was a struggle, but professionally, She didn't struggle. It's so interesting to have the two ends of the stick. You're struggling personally and not struggling in business. It's very strange. But it just shows us that we all have our gifts and we're all good at something. And you should feel good about the things that we're good at. And don't be so hard on yourself on the things that are not so great. Also, weight is not supposed to hold you back. Right. 
Exactly. Don't let it hold you back. I mean, mm-hmm. it really shouldn't. Everybody wants to be sexy and desirable and focus of attention, but be the focus of attention because you have something to offer, not because of the way you look. I think it's really interesting that your mom was dealing with high-powered developers, but I almost feel like weight is power in a very specific sort of sense, especially for women. What weight do you mean? Mm -hmm. I think on a certain level, people, especially if you work with men all day, instead of looking at you in an overly sexualized sort of, looking at you as a strictly as a sex object, they see your right. weight. And I think there's a certain level of seriousness that people give yes, to women who business. have some weight. She means business. She right. means business, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. That just brings saying. me back to the women that you dress. These are the same women, the same women as your mother. We mean business. We need clothes that we can be taken seriously in, but that are also feminine. And I think your line does that very well. It's interesting because so many, I love what you're saying, because so many people say that being overweight is a weakness. It weakens you, but instead it empowers you because the truth is men can actually take you seriously and listen to what you're saying instead of oogling someone's chest or, you know, trying to get a date or whatever it is that we're subject to being women in business. But you're right. It does. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. They do that too. But I think on a certain (laughs) level, (laughs) I think the power of the weight, the girth helps them to not only appreciate your body in a different way, but your brain as well. And eventually there are some guys who are interested in the body, the breast, the butt or whatever right away. But I think that the weight actually gives a little bit of space for you to be taken seriously. And if someone appreciates your body, oh, that's a bonus. You know, that's a bonus. But It's interesting because I, I've had people tell me that so many times, oh, if you lost 30 pounds, oh, if you, and these were like business people. And I mean, I didn't need to hear it. I just, the point being, if you lost 30 pounds, oh, I'm like, what? If I lost 30 pounds, what? You would take me more seriously? If I lost 30 pounds, I would be more successful than I am? What are they trying to say? I'd have a great personality. I already have one. What do you want from me? (laughs) What is 30 pounds going to (laughs) do? Right. We're going to go back to your clothes in a minute, but it does come off as very patronizing and it's inappropriate. It's actually pretty obnoxious when people do that. Very. And and in professional settings, of course, that's not very professional. (laughs) (laughs) 20 years ago when I was, when I was just, I should say a kid in the business. I mean, I was, Half, what is this? I say I'm 47 now. I, I, I'm not embarrassed to give people my age. I was 27 years old. 27 years old, you're still finding yourself. You know, right. If somebody said something like that to me. It was, it was like, oh my god, I need to do this. I still need to make other people happy. You know, at 47 year olds, you look at them and you're like, what? <laughs> How mm-hmm. dare you? Mm-hmm. Right. At 27, right. I was, I was still. There were growing pains, man. <laughs> Real growing pains. <laughs> and every everybody experiences growing pains. I mean, when you're going from yeah. your 20s to your 40s, there is so much yeah. to learn. And even when you, you get to your 40s, you realize at that point, you know now that you know a lot less than you thought you knew. Yes. That constant reminder. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, let me jump back to fashion just really quickly yeah. because oh, we touched on this briefly. Uh, these days, there is a considerable amount of on-trend fast fashion, including party dresses for plus-size women. And quite honestly, they do sell well. And some companies are making money hand over fist because we are so in need of pretty dresses, cute dresses, sexy dresses. And I know you've mentioned your mom and deciding to design for professional women. However, it would have been really easy for you to have gone a different route or gone the other route, the party dress route, the sexy plus size vixen route. But what was your impetus for going a different route, specifically for pursuing a professional clientele? There's a lot of factors involved with that. First of all, uh, 
I, I'm an Orthodox Jew, so I dress conservatively. Mm-hmm. And not that I'm limiting my fashion line to my limitations, but when I went to FIT and I would draw and I would design, my teacher would tell me, this is too conservative, become freer. It would tell me, you're too restricted. And I thought I was being, whoa, you know? (laughs) I think it's from my upbringing. It's not something... Also, I think that I want things to last. There are certain styles that are forever. So if something's sitting in my closet and I can pull it out at any point during the year, at any point, you know, two years from now, I'm saying, oh, my God, I love this dress. And I have done that and still be able to wear it and decide this is one of the ones I don't want to give away or don't want to pack a pack away because I really may want to wear it again. That's the one I want to be. I want my dresses to be memorable. We plus size women never really have that. We have such transient dresses. They're almost disposable. The quality is not as superior. And I want real designs. You know, real creativity, something that is built for me, my body, not for something that's just, oh, fringes are in style. Let's put them all over the place. I want it to be sensible. This is Laura Rice, and if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Full Body Frequency. My guest this segment is fashion designer Yona Love of Yona, New York. You just touched on something that I definitely want to talk about, because the beautiful thing about your clothing is that the liberated or relaxed edge that they have can easily take you from day to night. But more than that, there's a space that allows Yona New York customers to make their own marks in the clothes. It's like you're wearing the Yona New York brand, but you're not branded. In other words, I can put my own spin on the clothes and not look like every single plus size woman in the blogosphere. And you just touched on that because fringe is all the rage now the fringe, the trim, the fringe and the jeans and the this and the that and the other on the purses. I want to commend you for that, for giving us clothes that we can brand ourselves without being branded. Thank you. That's really have a nice perception of things. I like the way you think. Yes. Sometimes I can't put the feeling into words, but it's really, every dress almost has an emotion to me. It's like, oh, I can see somebody wearing this to that. I can see somebody feeling great in it. And look how it hugs the waist, but not this part and not that. I actually feel and think about my clients when I'm designing and fitting. And there's more than just, you know, actually drawing when we're cutting a piece. But really, yes, it's about the actual person. And I have seen four or five different people wear the same dress. They all look amazing in it. And they all look different in it. That's a testament to your collection, for sure. With any clothing collection, every customer has her favorites. And mine are the Yona New York texture wrap shawl, the three-way tie dress, (laughs) the drape maxi skirt in black, of course. And then this is something new that I discovered. It's the wide sleeve floral dress that's featured in your serving. But as a designer, what are your favorites? So that's sleeve dress is amazing. I love that drama on the sleeve. Accent sleeves are very in this season. I wanted to do something to take away from some of that shape and give it a little room. But my favorite piece is probably the kimono dress, which we're looking to reproduce in different fabric this season. It did very well. And I love the texture wrap shawl. That was such a great That was a great piece. That is a great piece. (laughs) And we have a new cape dress. The new, did you see the cape dress? I did. It's called Cascade, right? Right. It's really pretty. That's a keeper. Like you'll have it in your closet for a while and it covers up a lot of spots. Like the arms are always an issue with plus size women and It gives you enough room to make it look like it's a straight, tight dress, but it gives you room for it not to be so tight. And the fabric is made out of a little, I lycra in everything. I'm like in love with lycra. (laughs) So Mm, every single fabric has a little stretch in it and it'll 
hug you, but not hug you that tightly. And I really like that dress. You know, the little black dress they talk about, this is one of them. And I think that for this season, that's probably my favorite dress. For ladies that are interested in getting 25% off your Yona New York favorites, you can complete the style and price point survey. Now it's up on the Yona New York Facebook page where you need to like her page. And the link will be posted in this week's Full Body Frequency show notes. Designers are always one or two seasons ahead of consumers. With that in mind, what's next for Yona New York and how soon will we be able to find the line in stores? From your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> So I have already designed spring. We're on our way with it. I mean, I want to be in stores. We want to. But one of the hardest parts of being a designer is budgeting your costs and making sure that your consumer benefits from your saving money on the production line. And I'm doing my best to pass that on to my customers. I want it to be affordable. I want it to be functional. And I want it to work. So It's taking me a little time, and it's okay. It's a growth process. The Yona New York collection is made in New York City. Yes. Okay. What considerations went into that choice? I think control. (laughs) I have a little control (laughs) issue. (laughs) But, um, yeah, because it was a new experience, and I kind of wanted to be hands-on it, and I wanted to feel all of it and be it. I also grew up in New York. I... I make a living in New York. I want to get back. I want to get back. I mean, I find it's also convenient. I live in New York. I'm a couple blocks away. I think it's very important for us to utilize the assets we have within our community. If you're going to give somebody charity, you're going to give the people in your neighborhood first. If you want to give someone a job, you're going to give it to someone in your neighborhood first. You want to support the community more So then you want to support anyone else. I mean, and of course, I'm able to see what stakes and the quality. I'm trying to have a superior product and hopefully it'll uh, be passed on again to our customers. Oh, that's great, Yona. So ladies, support your local economy by buying Yona New York. (laughs) Yona, before we go, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this, especially since we're in the midst of fall. What tips do you have for maximizing fall fashion? Actually, fall fashion is like one of my favorites. I don't accessorize that much for myself. My clothes kind of work without accessories, so it's not necessary. But I think probably the biggest fall trend is the booties, the fringes for sure, little jackets and wraps scarves and the colors. The colors are great, amazing. Greens and blues. There's some pinstripe happening this season. I mean, there's really nice stuff happening there. But what the most important thing is, is that people should find what they feel good in and what they feel they look good in and make that their style. You can add a piece here and there that's in style and look amazing that way. It doesn't have to be guided or what the magazines are saying. Your confidence in the way you look and the way you feel is really what is going to always be in style. It really will. I mean, nobody can take that away from, from you. Well, Yona Shine of Yona, New York, thank you for being with Full Body Frequency today. Thank you. It is, you gave me some great insight. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, for more information about the Yona New York collection for professional plus-size women making their own fashion mark, visit yonanewyork.com. After this final break, Full Body Frequency returns with this week's Plus One. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've accidentally cut your daughter's bangs unevenly. Do you, A, line things up a centimeter from her hairline? Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man! No, 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 no. sweatbands are so hot right now. Everyone's wearing them. Like that basketball player and that other basketball player. B, get spiritual. Mom, where did all the mirrors go? A reflection could never capture our true selves. Huh? Beauty is within... Um. C. Look on the bright side. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or D. Show empathy. Mom, you really don't have Ta-da! to. Ta da! Twinsies! 
<laughs> I kinda love it. <laughs> As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Full Body Frequency is back, and this week's Plus One comes from Edith Bernier of the Plus Size Backpacker. Not everyone wants to limit their luggage to a carry-on item, but everyone can travel light, whatever your size. And I say this applies to both travel and to life. Until next time, tune into your own full body frequency where large is luscious living. <laughs>